the lesson already because I again as I mentioned to a, a couple of people already um I tried to compress two sessions into one okay so let's talk about digital images and sound so last time we we looked at how data is converted into uh, some very basic types of uh, like types basic types of data so for instance like numbers or text or strings and then we have strings that we use to represent colors and as I mentioned okay as I mentioned the last time if you can assign a number to something okay to any kind of value if you can assign a number to it then you can turn it into binary. Okay? So, and binary is how your computer understands things. And one of the last things that we, we looked at is hexadecimal because usually hexadecimal, um, we use, okay, we use it to define colors. Okay? We use it to define colors. Now, I'm going to pause my recording. So, I, I just started recording, but I'm going to pause it because I'm going to show you a video just so you understand how how colors, how defining these colors affects what you see on, let's say, a monitor. Okay? So let me pause the recording, telling me to resume recording. Okay. So, again, there are, we, we already under, kind of understand what, um, how images are displayed on screen, but these are the inputs. Uh, in general, you have two types of images that you can display on screen. Uh, the categories being rasters and vectors. Okay? So based on these two images at the bottom, which do you think is the raster and which do you think is the vector? You can say, like, let's say, which one is the raster? Uh, so... So there's already one answer. All right. So two answers, one saying that, uh, yeah, both of them saying that uh, the raster is on the left and the vector is on the right. Okay. Um, rasters are also sometimes referred to as bitmaps. Okay. So vector on the right, raster on the left. Okay. So again, rasters are... Usually also sometimes, well, usually uh, referred to also as bitmaps because they're, they are a map or a grid of bits of color, okay? So um, you can clearly see the difference. One is really just a photo and the other is uh, an illustration. So uh, raster graphics are made up of a rectangular grid of pixels. So this shows like a magnification of uh, a magnification of a particular part of this raster graphic, okay? This this image of this church. So what's great about your rasters is that it's composed of pixels, and because of that, you can have a lot of you can show a lot of very tiny details. Uh, you have a lot of very small, very fine, uh, very subtle details. 
So some examples of your raster images would be would be your images that are JPEGs, okay? Pings, okay? It's supposed to be uh, pronounced as ping. The developers, that's what the developers wanted. Your GIFs or sometimes GIFs, okay? Uh, bitmaps, BMPs, okay? Uh, TIFFs. And your, your PSD file, your Photoshop file, is, is generally at its core, at its base, it, it is a raster image. On the other hand, okay, on the other hand, you have your vectors, which are composed of all of these different like geometric objects. So points, lines, curves, polygons. So the nice thing about this one is if you zoom in, you can actually see how it's made up of all of these different objects. Okay? You can see how what, what it's made up of. And it's not individual pixels. Actually, no matter how much you zoom into, okay, how much you zoom into a, a vector graphic, it should never degrade. Right? Of course, this one, uh, the way I did it is I, I took a screenshot of it at 16%. I 16 times magnification. Um, so this one, this particular preview on the, the right is actually a raster, but I zoomed in uh, to 16 times the original size. Okay? Uh, it's fine for those who are, who are late. Okay? So, now there are advantages and disadvantages to, to these two. So, some examples of your, your vector graphics would be your SVG, Scalable Vector Graphics, your EPS, although it can contain some of these, a lot of your vectors actually can contain raster images. But by default, okay, by default, they are vector formats. Okay? So your EPS and your PS, encapsulated and regular PostScript files, your Adobe Illustrator files, and various others, enhanced meta files, things like that. A lot of a lot of different files are by default um, vectors, okay? So wh where would you use one over the other? Now, in most cases, a lot of, if you saw the, the extensions and the, the formats, you kind of saw that you're more familiar probably with your raster images, right? You're very much more familiar with your raster images. The reason is because your raster images are much more compatible with a lot of programs. Okay, your graph, your raster graphics can be opened in a lot of different programs. Whereas something like an SVG, it's kind of hard for you, for instance, to import it into uh into a program like like let's say uh Microsoft Word, okay? So a lot more programs are able to open, okay, open and edit your raster images. Also, it's much easier to rasterize something. So if you have a vector and you turn it into, uh, you export it or you try to change it so that you rasterize it, you turn those shapes 
those lines, those points into pixels, it's much easier for the computer. The reason, of course, is the computer already does that. Uh, if you have a rust, uh, sorry, a vector image, okay, if you have a vector image, for it to be displayed on screen, the computer will already rasterize it to be able to show it as pixels on, on your monitor, right? Whereas the, the operation of, okay, the operation of tracing, turning your raster image into a vector requires a lot more processing power, a lot more work. And sometimes if you look at the image on the right, it, it, it fails to really look exactly the same as the, the original. So the, the photo is the raster and it's, it's been auto-traced, it's been traced and the, the resulting image is, of course, a vector, but it, it looks illustrated. It doesn't look photographic. Okay? So in most cases, you probably will use raster graphics, but there are advantages to your vectors. Okay? There are advantages to it. So let's, let's go back. Um, so again, your, your rasters are composed of pixels. And therefore, they are the amount of detail in your rasters are finite. Okay? There are a finite amount of details. So your, your pixels are short for picture elements. Pix or picture pixels. Okay? Elements. Again, like I, I mentioned before, these computer scientists like being cute with naming things. So when you say that there's a finite number or a finite amount of detail that you can see in an image, it will be defined by how many pixels there are along the width of the image and how many pixels there are uh, down its height. Okay, So when you say one megapixel, you, you roughly mean that it's 1 million pixels, right? When you say uh, 12 megapixels, then there's roughly around 12 million pixels. Okay, so that's the amount of detail. It can contain up to 12 million. So that, that particular image, 12 million pixels in the entirety of the image. And that's a lot of, lots of, that's a lot of detail. Okay. And this allows you, okay, this allows you to be able to show a lot of colors, okay, a lot of different colors, and a lot of variations in shading and lighting. Okay? And you can have very, very small variations. That's why these, this format, okay, your raster format is ideal for your photographs. Any image with a lot of very fine detail. Any questions so far? I know I'm going really, really fast because I, again, I, I've tried to compress everything. If you have questions, okay, let's say you don't, you don't have your, you don't have your particular question right now. If you want to ask through email, that's fine. Okay, you can, you can message me after. Okay. <clears throat> Next one. So if 
your your rasters are dependent okay your rasters the quality of your raster well the, the amount of detail in your raster depends on the number okay the number of pixels that it has it's not the same for your vectors so your your vector is actually what's referred to as resolution independent okay because the vectors are composed of again all of these different objects again points lines curves polygons and therefore again we're going into math when you actually look at a vector when you try to study the file it actually defines oh this is a square or this is a rectangle and the rectangle has this height okay or the rectangle has this width okay so really for for the computer it's just a matter of plugging in those properties so when you try to resize a vector you're just changing the numbers that you plug in so let's say its position so you're changing where it's located and then you can also change let's say its width or its height and because we already know what a square is okay or we already know what a um an oval is or uh, an ellipse is it's really easy for the computer to redraw everything once you change uh, once you change these okay these different properties it's just like a matter of plugging in numbers into a mathematical formula and the, the computer will just re recalibrate and display it again and that's why your vectors are actually ideal for things that need that need to be resized okay things that can be resized and will be displayed or printed outputted in various okay various different sizes for instance logos okay your logos some logos you will put in a in a calling card and that will be very very small but sometimes you might put your logo on let's say a billboard and that will be very very big the nice thing about a vector is no matter how much you stretch it out how much you uh, how much you um resize it it never degrades the quality never degrades okay so that's that's what's great about okay, so they have their advantages and dis disadvantages now as you can see this is a very nice for instance this this illustration of an astronaut it's very nice but it'll never it, it's almost never going to reach like the level of detail that the raster will have but this one again you can infinitely stretch it out and it will never never degree you can keep on zooming and you, you should never see any pixelation pixelation okay any questions about the basic types so far no questions okay everyone good so far okay now going back to a little bit more math it's a little bit harder to to do something like this with 
your your uh, vectors because the vectors will will do will do it in different ways. Okay? Vectors have different formats and uh, estimating the actual size of a vector is kind of difficult. But it's much easier for a raster because again, there are a finite amount of details. So basically, if you want to figure out how much space a raster will occupy, you just okay, you just find out the image resolution. How many how much detail can be contained in the image? Multiply it by bit depth. Okay, by the bit depth. Um is it eight bits? Is it an eight-bit image? Is, is it a twenty-four-bit image? And then you divide it by eight. Anyone know why eight? Anyone? Can anyone tell me why it's eight? Someone gave the. Does anyone know? Give eight. We, oh, well, we just studied. Yes, go. Are you referring to the website? Oh, sorry? Are you referring to the website, Po? Oh, what website? Y8. Ah, mali. maybe I heard wrong. Oh, I mean, I'm saying, uh, sorry, if I misspoke. Uh, basically, what I'm saying is, to calculate the size of an image, you multiply the image resolution, the amount of detail in the image, by the bit depth, and then you divide it by the number eight. So uh, I was asking, does anyone know why we divide it by eight? Yes, someone answered as a direct message. Because we measure storage, okay? in bytes but right now right now when when you just uh multiply the resolution by bit depth what you're getting is the size in bits okay the reason why we divide it in eight because again if you remember the lesson from last time there are eight bits in a byte so as an example, a small image, an 800 by 600, 800 pixels wide by 600 pixels high image. So you're getting how, how much detail there is. And then you multiply it, let's say, so this is, for instance, a GIF, a small GIF file. A GIF is um, an 8-bit image Okay, most of the time. Okay, but you can actually make it smaller. So, 800 by uh, 600, multiply it by 8, and then divide it by 8 bits per byte. So, what you get is about 480,000 bytes. But this is the size of the image uncompressed. Okay, This is the size of the image uncompressed because we still haven't applied the particular compression to it. Something a little bit bigger, as another example. Something that's RGB. So usually an RGB image is about 8 bits per channel. And you have three channels. Your red channel, your green channel, and your, your blue channel. Okay? Um, so you have 
about almost 16.78 million possible unicolors. Okay? So, what you have is, so you multiply, let's say, uh, a larger image, something that's uh, high definition. So, 1,920 pixels wide by uh, 1,080 pixels high. You multiply it by 24. Because again, 8 bits per channel and there are 3 channels. So, you, you have a 24-bit image. Okay? And then you divide it again by the number of bits per byte. So, what you get is significantly bigger. About uh, 6, 6 million... 220,800 bytes. Roughly 6 megabytes. Okay? Roughly 6 megabytes. Okay? So again, this is the size from 480,000 to 6 million. So you can see like the difference. Because there, there is a lot more detail, a lot more colors in this particular image. Okay? Everyone good? Maybe what I'll do is, since our session tomorrow is longer, I just want to like get through like the basics of this first. But I'll try to show you a few more things tomorrow. I'll try to show you a few more examples. Maybe I'll open some images up so you can see better okay, tomorrow uh, in the lab. So just so you can appreciate it a little bit better. I'll 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 a little bit of time during our lab session okay, for some of these. So just so you can appreciate it better. I know it's 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 a lot of me talking right now. Okay. Um but maybe tomorrow once you get to see a few more examples, you'll you'll have a better appreciation. Okay? Something that can also add, okay, something that can also add to the size of your image is if you add a little bit of transparency. Now, this isn't this isn't true for GIFs. Okay? Why? Because GIFs will only define, let's say, so there are only 256 possible colors in a GIF. Okay. At, at its largest possible size. Um you can define one of the colors to be, uh, you can define one of the colors to be transparent. So basically, it doesn't occupy any more space. Uh, it doesn't occupy more space than, than is allowed. But for other types of images, like for instance, uh, pings and tips, you can actually have multiple levels of transparency. So you can have something that's fully transparent, fully opaque, and then you can have various levels of translucence and you use an additional channel okay, additional channel so now instead of you having just rgb okay, sometimes you'll see rgba red green blue and alpha okay and that will also add an additional 8 bits so instead of it being 24 bits it's, it's going to be 32 bits okay um in other formats, so uh, a very common way to add transparency to vector graphics is by adding what's known as a clipping path. You define which area is visible. 
you draw an outline and it tells the computer, okay, everything within the outline is visible. Everything outside it is transparent. Okay. Yes. So, well, yes, very important. So when you, when you, um, go into things like animation, okay, if you have a lot of layers, okay, if you work with a lot of layers, transparency will be a very, very important, okay, very, very important um, tool for you. So clipping is actually quite basic. What's, what's more important, I think, to learn more about is masking. Okay, and then that's where an alpha channel actually adds more to your because again you, you have various levels of translucency so you get to work with a lot more and i'll try to show that here as well so if you look at this image this actually has a transparent background okay, this this uh wine glass so let me show you the differences so like i said in GIF, you only have one transparent pixel. And as you can see, um, it's kind of rough. Okay? You, you can see it's kind of rough where uh, there's no like transition from transparent to translucent to opaque. The way that you can get around this is you can turn on, or when you're saving something, you can try to turn on... Uh, you can try to turn on what's known as dithering. Okay? So it, it kind of tries to simulate translucency by adding, okay? by adding uh, like a checkerboard pattern to, to the image. So, so you get like parts that are, that are transparent and parts that are still opaque. Okay, but of course, what's what what's ideal is if you can have multiple levels, which is what you can see with the example here of your ping file. So those are all of the things that can contribute. Okay, those are all of the things that can contribute to the size of a raster image. Again, we're talking about the raster because. It's much easier uh, to estimate the size of a raster. But that isn't the final size. You can apply different forms of compression uh, to make the image smaller, to make it occupy, okay, to make it occupy less space. So um, there are in general two types of image compression. What's known, well, basically any kind of compression. There's the, the lossless form where you don't throw away any information. And then there's the lossy form of compression where you do throw away some information. Okay? Um, especially with images, a lot of the image formats you'll find out there actually use uh, like lossy, okay? lossy compressions. So for instance... Uh, your JPEG, which is probably one of your the most popular 
the the most well known formats out there is a lossy compression, and uh, but maybe you didn't know that like formats like GIF, Ping, and TIFF use uh, a form of compression. It's based on what's what's known as LZW. Uh, it's based on the LZW compression. Uh, one of our students here. His name is actually the Z in the LZW, Lempel, Zib, and Welch. Okay, so GIF, Ping, and TIFF are all actually based on the LZW compression. It's uh, a compression that is that is lossless. Okay, so when we say lossless, there are in general two two ways. Okay? There are in general two ways that you can try to create a lossless compression. One is by trying to figure out how to reduce the number of repeated and redundant information. Let's say you have a, an image, and then you have yellow pixel, yellow pixel, yellow pixel, yellow pixel, yellow pixel. Instead of saying, okay, yellow pixel, like all of yellow pixels several times, maybe you can just say six yellow pixels, okay? And then three black pixels, and then two white pixels. So you can shorten. So that's one way. And then another is you can try to create a dictionary. Okay? So you find patterns and you put it in the dictionary, and then you replace it with with uh a letter, a number, a code that can represent the pattern itself. Okay? So instead of so maybe yellow, yellow, and then yellow, black, and then black, white, can be represented by just one number, for instance. So you can, rep you can replace patterns, entire bits of patterns, with shorter... Okay, with shorter representations, more compact representations. Now, what I'm going to show very quickly is uh, a video about, okay, a short video about uh, JPEG lossy compression. In this short video, we'll see the effects of JPEG compression on an 8-bit grayscale image selected from an abdominal CT scan. First, we'll see increasing compression starting at a Q value of 100 and ending in a Q value of 1. So you won't see this so much until you get to a, like a really low value. So as you now we reverse the process blocking. and start at a Q value of 1 and increase the quality to a Q value of 100. So it's very blocky right now. And then it's increasing. And the quality becomes so much better. Now, how did this happen? How does, how does JPEG, something like JPEG work? Your lossy JPEG, well, lossy compressions generally try to take advantage of human perception. So, for instance, this image of I think a, a, I think it's a kingfisher. What what's great about our our vision is we're very sensitive to what's known as luminance, basically lightness from from light to dark. So we can very quickly distinguish variations from light to shadow, 
what we're not so great about are differences between colors, what's known as chrominance. So what something like a, a, a compression like JPEG does is it actually tries to average out some of these colors. And that's why at the lowest qualities of JPEG, you'll see like blocks, actual squares. Okay? Because it's trying to average out some of these colors. Okay? Um, so that you don't have to define this is the hot this pixel is this color, this pixel is this color. It's saying, oh, like this this four by four block. Okay, or this eight by eight block is just this color. Okay. So it does that. It tries to averages blocks, okay, particular blocks of, of an image without you noticing it. Because maybe what you're noticing what you're noticing is again the variations between light and dark. So hopefully you can see we're not so great at distinguishing like the differences between the colors of, of this this the reds and the blues and the yellows of the kingfisher. But we can clearly see the details in the the black and white, okay, the luminance component. Everyone good? Okay so far? I know it's a lot. And we have about 43 more minutes. Hopefully the next few ones. I'm going the next few ones are actually uh less detailed. Uh, less detailed. But hopefully you'll enjoy it more. Uh, so animation, when you try to make something still, an image like the ones I've shown already, you try to make it move. Okay. What you're really just doing is you're trying to display changes in these images, whether it's its position, it's scaling, okay, um, it's rotation, it's transparency. You're just trying to show it rapidly. Okay? You're trying to show that change quite rapidly. But the image really isn't moving at all. Okay? The image itself. Although you you can do some warps to make, let's say, if you if you have a picture of a person that isn't smiling, you can play around, move certain pixels, warp the pixels to make it appear as if that person is smiling. So that's also possible. So this is just an example of there are a lot of ways that you can make. Uh, a still image move okay? and make it appear as if it were moving or, or doing something when it's actually still. So this also affects digital video. So we have uh, various we have various uh, ways of let's say recording video. And basically, what happens is, depending on what's known as the frame rate, you have so many, you're, being, you're displaying so many still images, one after the other, in a short period of time. So when we say frame rate, it's measured in frames per second. 
that means in in one second of video for film you're actually seeing 24 images one after the other okay or for NPSC standard uh, signals you're seeing about 30 frames for every second of video and that's why you can't distinguish you can can't distinguish one picture from another because it's being displayed at such a fast pace of course the more frames the smoother it looks but at some point i don't know if you've experienced this let's say you're watching a, a, a video and it's being shown at let's say 60 frames per second kind of looks unnatural because it's so smooth it's too smooth Okay, it's sometimes when you watch like a movie and it's it was shot and it's being played at a very high frame rate, it kind of looks weird. Um, and that's why a lot of uh, a lot of filmmakers still use 24 frames per second. Um, I won't show, I have a video that talks about that, about a two minute video, but I won't show it anymore. Basically, that's it. That's that's the reason why they why they do it. Twenty four is kind of like the the lower end of it looking nice, of a video looking nice, looking natural, but also you not noticing, uh, the individual images being shown on screen. So it's not going to be choppy. The movement isn't going to be like. Jagged. Okay. But again, it's it's it looks more natural to us. So I'll I'll skip the video. There's this video here. And then you can you can just watch there's a link anyway at the bottom. So let me pause this while I go to the next slide. Let me pause on. Let me record again. Thank you for reminding. Okay. Right. So again, um, Okay, we'll we'll go to we'll go back to my my example earlier. But basically, again, you have two processes: sampling, where you take like it's like taking screenshots of of a sound at what at a particular point. So, what's the current volume level? What's the current pitch of the sound at this point? And then again, there are so many samples that are taken in, in a short amount of time. So the example here is 44,100 samples in one second or 48,000 samples in one second. And then you quantize it. So quantization is kind of like a rounding off. So there's a, a range. Okay, so let's say this is the, the loudest and this is the softest. When you only have eight bits, it's just 256 different possible levels. It's If it's 16, it's now it's almost 66,000. The, the upper and the lower hasn't changed. It's like the amount of detail in between. You have so many more finer variations in like the volume in, of, the, of the sound. Okay? So, and then you have your your uh 24 bit which is what almost 
So, 16.78 million levels. We, so, for instance, uh, what's known as CD quality. I, I know you're not familiar with CDs anymore, but what CD quality is. Uh, so, this this is usually like the, what we consider now as like the lowest. Like really good, but it's 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 still it's a very nice, very clear. But actually, there are there's so much more higher quality sound out there. So CD quality is about forty four point one kilohertz at sixteen bit. Okay, just so you can appreciate it. So let's say this is a, a particular sound. Okay, so let's say this is the original. This is what the actual sound wave looks like, the one on the left. So you take, and like I mentioned, there's so much more samples, okay? not just 12. But for this particular piece of sound, let's say you take 12 samples, and then you only have three bits. Okay? Let's say, three, so eight levels. So you can see it here. So what happens is you take a point, okay, you take, the sound, the pitch and the volume of the sound at this point, and then you take another point, and then you take another point, and then you take another point. And then it the the software rounds it off, whether it makes it higher, okay, so softer or louder, based on the number of available levels. So as you can see, for instance, this point. <laughs> The one, two, three, fourth point is not on any like intersection. It moves to an intersection, and then basically, when once these samples are played one after the other, the the program playing the sound is just doing connect the dots. Uh, it's just connecting the dots between these discrete individual points. So as you can see, the the one on the right is not a super great representation of the original. It's not a great representation of the original. Let's see what the effect of more samples and more levels will be. So double the samples taken at one bit extra. So 16 levels. And what you can see is it's a much more accurate looking sound. It's much closer. No, it's much closer to the original. Everyone good? Any questions so far? I know I'm going really, really fast. Again, I will try to a lot sometime tomorrow explaining some of these and like showing you exam more examples but hopefully you're 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 getting an appreciation of appreciation of how how much more data is involved especially with multimedia with all of these different so images video sound okay so you're you're Let's say you, you download the movie. Let's say you do it legally. Okay. You download the movie. Um imagine how much that's why it's so big. That's why those movies are so big. Because it's 
not only just video, but you also include sound. Sometimes you'll have videos that also include subtitles in various languages. You so a lot of the the videos you see your MKVs, your MP4s are are really not just videos. They're con container formats. Okay, they can contain multiple streams of of information. Okay, hopefully again something that uh, hopefully this this you can appreciate this. So. I, I'm. This is something I made. I I got this audio, fr uh, free from the internet. So you can see it's there's the license. I'm gonna play it and I'm gonna show you. Listen, listen to it. Listen to how um. Listen to how. The audio sounds differently at different, uh, sampling rates. So let me play it. We've only just So that's 8,000 hertz. This is a little bit higher. You'll notice, let me pause this a bit. You'll notice that uh, compared to 8,000, the, like this graph is a little bit different, like the, the height and the width of the graph. So I'll play it now. Continue playing. We've only just So this is an even higher. So many roads to choose. Start out walking and We've only just Wait, 
before I continue playing, did anyone notice the difference between the very first sound and this one? Anyone notice the difference already? Anyone? No takers? Okay. I'll play the the audio at full okay. Full it's full sampling rate. Notice how different it is from the very first sound. So someone said it's not as gargled as the previous ones. Yes. There's there's that. Okay. That and I'll explain that part in a bit. Some of, some of, it's smoother. Okay. Uh, here's the next one. So this is the original. We fly so many roads to choose. Start out walking and walk. We've only just Let me pause. I'll play the old one again, just so you can appreciate the difference. Okay, let me... So why is the quality better? Okay. At lower sampling rates, you're not able to get all of the all of the frequencies, all of the pitches of sound. Usually at lower sampling rates, okay, at lower sampling rates, you have um you're only getting like lower, okay, more sounds that are closer to bass than the sounds that are higher frequency. Yeah, it's getting clearer as you have more samples. What what all so someone said um it's not as smooth, it sounds gargled. Why? Because everything else that it can't understand, that it can't capture, becomes noise. It's if you look at the right side, right side of this eight thousand hertz uh graph, all of that that orange at, at the right side. That's sound that wasn't able to be captured and it's considered as noise. Compare it to, let's say, 11,000. It's smaller and there's more, okay? There's actually more frequencies, more pitches that you can hear. And then even more with 22,000. And then when you got, get to 48,000, you can pretty much capture most of the frequencies that you should be able to hear. And very little noise. So just don't bear. We've only So another thing that you can say is you can actually 
if you pay really close attention, you can actually hear more instruments, especially like the the hi hat of the drums in the forty eight thousand compared to the eight. We've only just Basically, like I mentioned, with a higher sampling rate, you're able to capture a more complete sound because you're you're able to capture more frequencies, higher pitches. Okay, so that's that. Of course, again, with sound, you there's a lot of detail. There's a lot of data that you're getting. You have to factor in the length of the audio. Okay. Again, the bit depth. Is it 16 bit? Is it 8 bit? Is it usually the lowest what you should target, the lowest quality you should target is like 16 bit. Okay. The sampling rate, again, try at least uh CD quality. So 44,100 hertz at 16 bits. Okay. And then what's the number of channels? So let's say, for instance, you can see right now that I'm I'm wearing um, earphones, okay? So when you have two channels, it's actually possible that you can have something playing in one ear and a different sound, slightly different sound playing in another, okay? So that means you have a left and a right channel. But for, let's say, movies, sometimes you have movies where you can actually isolate, right? You isolate the sound, the the audio or the the dialogue from from the person in the in the movie is coming from a center channel. You have a channel on your left, a channel on your right, and then you have surround sound. You have channels kind of behind you. Maybe you also have like a a woofer. So sometimes that's what that's when you see like say five point one. Right, five point one channels or or six or seven channels. Okay, so all of that data, all of that, all of the the audio information adds to the size of the file. So, like for instance, uh, sixty seconds of sixteen bit, uh, forty four thousand one hundred sample sound at two channels, so stereo audio is 8 bits, uh, and then divided by 8 bits per byte. It's about, what, 10, 
10 megabytes. Wait, uh, yeah, about around 10 megabytes. Questions? We good? We're almost done. We're almost done. So, like I mentioned earlier, like photos, rasters are captured images. Vectors are images that you create in software. You you draw them. So they are not they're not scanned. They are not they're not photos that are taken. You pretty much make them in in the computer. The same way that video, so there's recorded video, video that you record, but you can also animate still images. So there's recorded video, and then when you export animation, you also make video as well, but it's video that's created in software. You even have 3D. So 3D is also kind of a form of that. So it's there's one that's recorded, it's one that's created in the computer. The same way with sound. So with sound, you can record and digitize sound, but there's also sound that is not recorded, but which is actually synthesized. Okay? So MIDI, okay? So musical instrument digital interface is a way of you using keys, using buttons and knobs, and all of these different controls to be able to give the computer specific notes to play and specific instructions on how to play those notes. So what's the pitch? What's the timing? Is it going to be to vibrate? Is it going to sustain? All of those different things are not recorded. They you you tell the computer. Okay. So this this keyboard here is a is a virtual keyboard. So it, it kind of looks like uh some of those games, those musical games that you 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 play. Before, before I go there. The nice thing about this is because you're telling the computer, okay, this, this is the instrument that's playing, this is the note, this is the timing, all of these different things. It's actually quite easy to replace, let's say, oh, now it's a piano. Okay. You can tell the computer, okay, it's no longer a piano, now it's a guitar. And it's easy for the computer to change that right? because basically it's just going to change the, the instrument type. And that's what's convenient about MIDI. Okay? So that would be quite difficult if, it's were, if, if it were recorded audio. Okay? So here's a, an example. So, so he's playing on these keyboards, but these keyboards aren't making any sound. They're not making any sound. These keyboards, these keys are just giving instructions. So play this note. Play it for this long. 
okay uh and so on and so forth so hope hopefully you you can appreciate i really like this particular artist so i mean midi artist So, um, again, hopefully you 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 could appreciate that. Like in the video, he wasn't really continuous playing or continuously playing all those parts. So he could actually loop some of them already once they, they he was able to put it into the the software the the, the Digital audio workstation. Okay, so that's the great thing about MIDI. So now you you can tweak all of those. You can change actually the notes. They're, they're already there. You can actually move them, make them longer, make them sustain. You can do all of these things because they they're not a recorded sound. Okay, again they're synthesized. So. All of this, all of these different data, you also have to compress those. So again, you can apply lossless and lossy compression. There's actually some formats that use both, both lossless and lossy. A lot of really popular ones right now use both compression. So for some parts, it uses uh, lossless compression if, if the information in, in particular parts are more vital, more important. And then in other parts, okay, it can be lossy. So lossless is of course ideal for for types of data where um it shouldn't change. Okay. The the data shouldn't change. So executable programs, text documents, okay, Excel spreadsheets. Imagine sending off uh, a spreadsheet and then the numbers inside the spreadsheet change. Uh, source code, uh, programming code, basically. So some examples of other forms of data compression. Um, your zip is is a, a lossless compression. You have FLAC, FLAC, for audio. QuickTime animation or QuickTime RLE, run length encoding for video. Uh, for lossy, this is usually again applied. If you notice, for mostly for for multimedia type of content, so images, videos, animation, um, sound. Okay. Especially this is especially done when you do streaming, for instance. So examples of this would be your your MP3. Okay. Probably something you're more familiar with your MP3 and your H.264, which is the codec, the video codec for MP4s. Okay, for most MP4s. Okay, any question? I know this was a lot to take in. Okay, this was a lot. Um, but hopefully, again, I'll, I'll try to add a little bit more depth, a little bit more detail, uh, show you a few more examples 
tomorrow. Okay. So thank you very much for attending. Uh, thank you to this current section, but also the members of the other section that attended today. So hopefully this was something uh, enlightening, something that you, you learned something from. Uh, and I'll see you guys tomorrow. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, I will pause my recording.